Hello and welcome to the Outdoor Ed Podcast. I am Matt Mascarenas, your host. I got a uh, exciting show today. Um, I don't know if exciting. I'm excited about it uh, because I um, it's it's that time of year. It's that time of year, and I'm super excited about that time of year. And I'm going to talk about that time of year. <laughs> I don't know how many times I'm going to say time of year in a sentence, but um, First off, before I get started, um, if you got, everybody can do me a favor, and uh, however you're listening to the podcast right now, um, if you can do me a favor and uh, rate and review the podcast, like, share it, rate, review, uh, whatever you can to um, uh, let me know what you think of the podcast and uh, get it out there to other folks if you do like the podcast. Uh, again, this is a resource. It's another resource out there. Of education, and that's the whole goal is to uh, help get people outside in the outdoors. So, um, again, I'm here in the Rocky Mountain region, uh, Denver, Colorado, basically. So, talking a lot of Rocky Mountain stuff, and today I'm going to talk about the exciting um, event that just occurred this past week. We are the majority of our boat ramps are open. For boating, and that means all boating, um, whether it's hand launch, uh, trailer launched, whatever it may be, we are open for boating in the majority of state parks and ramps in the state. Now, the reason why we're so excited about it here in uh, Colorado, uh, specifically, sometimes um, we have the, we have our, our ANS program. I should start there. Our Aquatic Nuisance Species Program. That, uh, that we have in place uh, several bodies of water. Uh, we have stations there where you have to get checked before you launch your boat and come off the water. A lot of times that is uh, going to delay opening of boat ramps. And there are some bodies of water out there that are delayed because of that reason. But there are very popular bodies of water that are open for boating. Uh, like places like Cherry Creek Chatfield, Boyd, um, for example, are open and ready. Um, so get out, it's, it's time to get out and, uh, get your boat ready and get out. I, uh, this is kind of what I'm going to talk about today too. A little bit of, uh, half and half, uh, kind of today, but I'm going to start here. I, um, was very, 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 uh, unprepared for this happening. Um, I actually set it up, tried to be prepared for it, but it didn't work out. I got really, really busy didn't work out to where I can get my boat in and be ready to go before the boat ramps open. Now, I had planned to get this taken care of in November, December, so I don't have to worry about it right now. But like I said, I didn't get to it. And now I'm sitting here uh, while my boat is getting serviced and um, basically going fishing from shore. Now, what I'm targeting during this, or during this time frame when I don't have a boat, if I was on a boat, if I had my boat, and, and, and this goes back to being prepared. Uh, let's start there. Um, I had plans to do it, didn't do it. Can't, I, it. can't. We're all busy. I can't put that as an excuse. We're all busy. So um, I just have to pay the consequences. I have to, I have to pay the piper, so to speak. So I'm sitting here um, without a boat. Uh, it's at the shop, getting a motor. And when I talk about getting it serviced, just getting it serviced, uh, it's very good to get your boat, if you use it, uh, you know, more than more than three to four times a month, um, they get it serviced annually. 
if you even get it if you get it uh, if you don't use your boat less if you use your boat less than that then you can probably stretch it out to uh, every other year or something like that but if you get use it that much if you use a, your boat a lot it's, it's good to get it and serviced annually and um, that that's that goes to trailer service uh, bearings and then motors so you know and, and when I say by service just getting your, your basic uh, things done whether it's oil change um, uh, grease uh, bearings um, lower units your kicker motor that's a smaller motor so uh, you're you're going to have, and if you guys are, if there's a lot of guys, probably a lot of guys that you're running running two stroke still, so you're still having to mix oil. Uh, we all know what that does to uh, smaller engines. Um, you know, if you don't put a lot of times, if you just put some um, additive in it, and it, it'll it'll help that fuel, it'll help prolong the life of that engine, and not getting your fuel uh, jammed up in the carburetors. So if you if you just maintain your motors. Um, and get them done regularly. You don't have to worry. You, you'll 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 cut down on a lot of those issues uh, in the long run, and it'll prolong the life, keep you on the water fishing longer. So, I screwed up on that this year. Like I said before, I screwed up on that, and I'm sitting here without a boat. So, what am I doing? I'm going and getting my butt kicked on shore. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, um, I haven't had a lot of times to get out during the day. Uh, maybe a handful of times, and I caught some small bass here and there, which is expected. But I'm mostly getting out and just breaking the dust off. I'm running around with my four-year-old. I have a four-year-old son. I'm running around with him, fishing, just basically getting out and enjoying it and uh, doing what I can just to be outside. Um, but uh, we have uh, right now is, is is really getting going, and we have an opportunity that um, you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that uh, we don't get a lot because typically our, our boat ramps usually open. March 1st, and that was this past week. So it's not like we got on the water any earlier than we usually do in the past couple of years. But we uh, had the opportunity to fish and had a, had a longer opportunity for these uh, walleye. Uh, and I'm going to talk walleye specifically right now because that's spring and fall. Um, you you run into a lot of uh, big uh, big moves, big big uh, big things happening with with fish like this. Uh, walleye right now in springtime are going to go through their spawn phase. Now, when that happens, um, it it makes those bigger fish uh, more available to anglers. Uh, what and, and and it doesn't matter what you're in a boat, you're on shore, uh, whatever it is, it it lends an, uh, it gains another opportunity, a bigger opportunity, a better opportunity, I should say, to uh, catch or, or to get to those bigger fish, to present a bait in those in front of those bigger fish, and to get them to react. Um, it just makes those bigger fish more accessible is what I'm trying to get across. So if you can get out and you, you, uh, are a walleye angler, you're, or you're somebody who's curious in walleye, uh, and tried it in the past and just really don't know a lot about walleye or kind of hard to target them, kind of hard to catch them right now is the best time to get out and go get your, uh, get your feet wet, so to speak, uh, get out there. Um, whether it's from shore, if you do have access to a boat. Even if it's a hand launch boat, there's there's a lot of uh, chances to get out and do this right now. And like I said before, with me being stuck to the bank, uh, I've been going out at night. Now, when it comes to walleye, I've always said the best time to target these fish is in those low light periods. And that doesn't matter whether it's springtime, fall, summer. Um, low light periods in walleye always go hand in hand. 
Um, so that's the best time to target these fish uh, is at night or during the uh, morning, that dawning dust time frame. Um, when you do that, it just it, it ups your chances. And now this time of year, it also uh, lends to these walleye because w what you have to, uh, to know about walleye, get into a little bit of the, the biology about a walleye is they are naturally a river fish. So they're they're a lot of our places where we fish them. We don't have big river systems here in the Rocky Mountain region. We don't have big river systems where we can go and fish these fish like they like you naturally would in a river system how they naturally would act. So we have to target these fish and go find these fish in different um, different ways that uh, would uh, simulate that. So the first thing you think of when you think of a river is current. Now, where do we have current in a lake or reservoir uh, pond even type situation? Um, well, wind is a current. You can have inflows, outflows. Typically, when you've got a spawn situation, you're going to look for water coming in because those fish are going to tend to want to swim up, up uh, current. So you're going to look for something like that. Um, there's a lot of places that have that, uh, that have that. Uh, whether you can get to it from a boat or from shore is another thing. But if you can find that those areas, uh, that's a good place to start. Another place to look for is uh, rocks. Walleye like to drop their eggs and they, they like to find it. They do it on, on, in rocks. They like to find places where they can drop their eggs and uh, uh, create kind of something, a natural uh, protection from predation. Now, they drop a lot of eggs. And what, what I mean by from predators, I, I don't mean necessarily like your meat eaters, like your predator predatory fish. I'm talking um, uh, like uh, crayfish, uh, crayf or crawdads. Um, or like uh, smaller panfish, uh, you know, perch, uh, come and will eat the eggs or anything like that. that that's kind of what I'm talking about. And when they dump, they dump a lot of eggs because it gives more chance for those fish to, to fish to live and those fish to, to go. So, but what happens here in Colorado is you don't, we don't get a lot of successful spawns, but they're still going to go do it and they're still going to go through it and they're still going to try to do it. So, we have to locate those areas, and a lot of times those areas are going to be in dam, around dam areas, dam faces, um, places where uh, fish have a good opportunity to, at night when they go through, they go come up the spawn, and then they can go back out in deep water and chill out, come back up and spawn, and then go back and have uh, that access to deep water. That's kind of the areas they like uh, this when they go when they're doing their spawn thing. So. Um, that's uh, those are kind of areas where I'm going to go look at. You're always going to think of dam, dam faces, uh, riprap uh, to go find. That that's that's probably the number one place you're going to go look. And if you can add current on top of that, now, like I said before, there's not a lot of places where you can find natural current uh, inflows, um, water coming in, whether it's a, a stream, a, a, a river, a um, a natural uh, creek or something running into a pond, perhaps maybe. There's a lot of those opportunities out there. You can find them. Great places to go and look, but like I said, a lot of times we got dams, rip wraps, a rip wrap shoreline. Those are the places where we need to go and and look look for and set up and try to target these fish. Now, whether you're from shore or a boat, you could kind of be in the same place. Now, if you're in a boat, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to target a little bit more of that uh, uh, open water at first, and then when you can, when when those fish, when you really start to uh, notice a 
good group of fish going into to spawn. All these fish aren't going to spawn at the same time. And um, one of the things that I, that I've always that I've noticed uh, when I'm ice fishing these fish. Now I'm not even talking about uh, now. I'm talking about going back to uh, beginning of February, mid February. Now in a lot of our lakes, we've had ice has been off these lakes for uh, almost the entire month of February. Um, we had a real uh, I, I wouldn't say I'd say warm winter. Uh, this year in the Rocky Mountains and had a lot of snow in the high country. Some areas of the Rocky Mountain region got a lot of snow, got real cold. But here uh, in Denver, um, we didn't get a whole, or in Colorado, I should say, down the front range, we didn't get a lot of that that cold, consistent cold air. So our ice uh, period that we had was maybe a month at the most, uh, some places longer, some places shorter. So the ice has been off these this water a long time. And a lot of people think that that's going to add and make what's going to make this bite even better. But I, I disagree with that because uh, I feel that these fish are going to go through that, that phase, no matter if there's ice on top of the water or not, because there's still those conditions that they're going to go through uh, each and every year. It's just we have to figure out when that is going to happen, when those conditions are going to take place. And um, what happened this year was there was a lot of guys being able to, to target these fish from shore a lot earlier. Uh, so they were able to get to some of those fish that go and uh, start that spawn phase early and uh, really really get to get, get a better idea of how early these fish actually go to spawn. And I, I really don't think it has anything to do if there's ice in the water or not. They're going to go through that phase. Um, and the thing that it really makes me um, feel this way and see this is because I've had it first time had it happen to me first time or first handedly when I caught a male walleye a handful of male walleyes uh through the ice and they were melting they were they were already getting crazy getting ready to spawn and um you know uh i didn't catch you don't catch a lot of females uh through the ice later late ice which what i would call that late january to a february time frame would be late ice um you don't catch a lot of females uh i well i don't actually so i can't really tell if the those eggs or they're getting ripe but uh, the males that I caught, and, and, and you know, how do you tell if they're male or female? Based, a good general um, basis on that is size. If you're going to catch a fish that's over that 23, 24-inch mark, there's a good chance that's a female walleye. Uh, although we have caught uh, fish over, I was in uh, Ron Lowry's boat a couple years ago where we caught a male that was in that 24-inch range. So um, they're... That, that just tells you about the population of fish in Colorado, uh, or, or population of walleye, I should say, how big some of these fish can get when we're seeing males in the 23, 24-inch range. So that's how I can tell, you know, if they're male or female is if uh, by size, if, you know, if we're not cutting them open and actually uh, preferably looking up the walleye skirts. Uh, without doing that, that's that's a good general way to tell. Some people think you could tell by the head, but I think it's a good, uh, good way to tell is by the size. So... Um, I, I really think a lot of those fish are doing that under the, under the ice already. So when that ice is off, it just get, they're still going to be doing what they were doing. It's just we have a better uh, we have better ac more access to them without that ice being on, you know. And uh, like I said, I've been I've been from shore. I've been skunked. Uh, I've been out total five times now. Uh, I've caught bass, but uh, my target species is walleye. I haven't taught, caught anything that. Um, now, when I, when I say what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to put a pattern together. I'm not trying to stack up pictures for Facebook. I'm not trying to put 
the best pitcher of my fish, my lure, and my rod um, in the in the frame, and then post it on Facebook and try to get as many likes. That's not what I'm trying to do, uh, and and that's I got a whole nother feeling about that, and uh, I'll ramble about that some other time. But that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to put a pattern so I can come out night in and night out and and really go and not mess around and go out there and catch some fish. And that's what I'm trying to do. So, but I haven't I haven't got that put together yet. Um, and I think it's it's because uh, these fish are are still in the places where I'm fishing. They're still either not uh, going, they're not fully spawned or, or go, going into their, the motions yet. They're still, you might have a handful of fish coming up and I'm fishing a lot of smaller lakes, uh, that I can get to close by my house here. So, uh, I'm, I'm that, those are lakes I'm targeting and the, the, the way they'd use that lake to spawn might be a little bit different. Um, there's not a lot of riprap there. So now I have to find sand or find something where they're going to go through where they can, um, and again, I'm not looking to ha- for them to have a successful spawn in these lakes. A lot of these lakes are stocked and uh, put and take fishery almost for these walleyes. And um, that's the, I, I'm not trying to, to look for a successful spawn or see where they spawn. I'm just trying to look for where they're using these areas to spawn. And a lot of times it's going to be grass or sand if there's no riprap or rocky dams areas like, like I mentioned before. If they don't have those areas, then they're going to have to find somewhere else. And that's what I'm kind of doing right now. And it's different for me because I haven't, I haven't spent a lot of time on these lakes. In the past, it's always been a rocky riprap shoreline lake with, with big water coming in. When I mean big, big water, I mean by a river. These are smaller lakes. These are smaller ponds that I'm targeting. And, I, and I can, I'm trying to put that pattern together right now. And I think I might, uh, I'm going to get out tonight. I'm going to try a little, something a little bit different than the, natu- than the usual Crankbaits, or I'm sorry, I, I should say stick baits, whether they're jerk baits, uh, rogues, husky jerks, uh, things like that. And I'll go over those here real quick in a minute. But um, I'm gonna. I, that's that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm 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 really looking at that. But the the whole point of this is is to get out. I was in my garage today trying to get some things. I'm trying to get out and do a Laker trip on Monday with a buddy of mine. And then um, like again, until I get the boat, I can't really get out and go chase. Uh, smallmouth during the day, like I really like to do this time of year, or even go out at night. I don't do the boat stuff at night just because that's it's not it's never been for me. It's never been um, I've never really took to it. I don't spend a lot of time trying to learn it. I really don't, and it's this really because uh, I get up early in the morning. I'm not a night person. I am not a night owl. I, I'll do it every now and then, and I will do it once or twice this year. I'll go out and uh, put the boat in the water. Maybe go troll for a little bit and go cast mostly, but I'm not really good at it. So I, I, I'm, I'm a big person that stays in his lane. I don't get out of my lane. I don't try to go do things that I don't know what I'm doing. And it's not that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just not, I'm not proficient enough at it. There's, there's things that I'm better to do and catch fish. So that's what I'm going to do. But I'm not saying I'm not going to do it. But until I get my, a lot of butts in that sense, until I get my boat, until I get everything situated with that boat, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm on shore. But the fact is, uh, or the, the truth, or the, I wouldn't say the truth, the fact is I'm out. And that's the whole point of this is that get out right now is a great time to get out. Um, like I said, we have to, we're in the best of both worlds. I'm, I'm, I'm shore fishing tonight. I could be in the boat, don't have the boat. but um, And I'm also planning on an ice fishing trip, a lake trout trip on Monday. So we have great opportunities right now to get outside. Another thing I wanted to talk about, um, 
uh, actually, before I close up on that on the walleye discussion there uh, on on that, these baits that uh, I'm using when I when I mention a stick bait, when I mention a jerk bait, uh, what I'm talking about is is uh, stick bait's the best way to call it because that's what it looks like. It's a it's a stick, and the profile of this bait is a long, almost stick uh, profile. And um, what I what the, these are staple walleye baits. If you go to Google and you Google uh, walleye stick baits, you'll get a number of, uh, of baits to pop up. You'll get rogues. You'll get husky jerks. You'll get X-wraps. You'll get uh, lucky crafts. You'll get um, mega bass. You'll get striking. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. You'll get a selection of these baits, but the number one go-to baits that are in my box, in any walleye angler's box, is going to be Smithwick rogues. Now, that's uh, it's a bait that... Um, you know, I'm, I'm giving a quick rundown of my setup uh, when I'm running rogues. And you can grab yourself a handful of rogues and this setup or something similar to this setup and go out and uh, feel confident that uh, you can figure something out on how to use these baits and how to catch these fish uh, tonight. So um, whether whatever you listen to, whenever you listen to this, um, you can go and put it together and go out that evening if it's during the afternoon and catch some fish. If not, you can save it till the next day and go out there. But anyway, here's my setup real quick. Um, I'm using a anywhere between a 6.6 to 6.10 uh, medium heavy action rod. Now, I am using a 6.10 medium heavy action rod, a Fenwick. Um, and it is the reason why I like this setup is because I can, I can really use it use the rod more and the rod i use the rod more well instead of the instead of the reel so what i'm saying by that is um i like that that type of uh a flex and type of fill of the rod because it, it, it it's easier for me to do what i want to do and to get that presentation of that bait i can get that out of that rod so um along with the rod i got a bigger type of reel and what i mean bigger type of reel i'm talking um like in that 35 to 30 class range reel and what I mean by that is whenever you think of a reel uh, when you go to buy a reel they're gonna have numbers on it it's gonna be either like a a 10 uh, 15 20 25 30 35 40 in that in that something like that it's gonna have those numbers in front it might even go to a 35,000 a 30 uh, you know 3,000 something like that kind of where it goes in to add extra numbers on there I don't know if they have a 35,000 out there but uh, I'm, I'm tr I was trying to say 3,500 but Depends on what manufacturer it is. That's what it's going to say. So I would start with something like that in a bigger spool category. What I mean by bigger spool is a longer spool. Put more uh, line on there. But th this is just my setup. I also have a smaller setup, but the, the, the reel is not that important. If you can get something between that 20 to 30 uh, range on that reel, you should be golden. Now, the line is really important. What I'm doing with line is I'm using a 14-pound fire line as my main line. Now, what I mean by mainline, that's the line that's going to come off the reel. Now, uh, if you never used Fireline before, uh, I wouldn't pick tonight to start. I would stick with the monofilament, but this is my setup. So, Fireline, 14-pound Fireline and uh, is on my mainline. I go run that through, and then I will either tie direct to the bait. Depends if I'm fishing a lot of rocks and I'm fishing a floating bait. I will tie direct to, to, directly to the bait using a polymer knot. Um, I'm going to start doing YouTube videos, and if you have any questions about polymer knots, I will put one out there. But uh, I, I'll put one out there anyway. So, But check that YouTube page out here periodically when I release these podcasts. 
I'm going to try to put a YouTube video out on my YouTube channel. And that way you guys can see what I'm talking about when I talk about it. Um, but anyway, back to uh, my setup. Um, 14 pound test or 14 pound fire line. And I'm either tying it straight to the bait with a polymer knot. Or I'm doing using a double, double, or a double, double, double uni knot, line to line knot on a liter of monofilament or fluorocarbon. Now, I, I'd like to use fluorocarbon in the areas where there's a chance where I can get rough. I can get, uh, I, I can get roughed up either by rocks, uh, whatever kind of, um, whatever kind of cover you're fishing or whatever kind of, uh, uh, if, if, whatever you're fishing that can maybe put more abrasion to that line, you have to use a tougher line. Um, or you can use a, a monofilament XT, uh, Trilene XT, which stands for extra tough, is a good monofilament to use, good tough monofilament. You can use one of those. So that's kind of my setup, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing more on the pool. And I think this is where people uh, kind of can close the, the um, gap faster. Concentrate more on the pull of the bait instead of the pause or the jerk. I don't really like using a lot of erratic action um, when I'm fishing for these fish this in, in this way, this time of uh, this time of year um, when they're going through this phase. I don't like to really focus on the jerk, so to speak. Uh, that's my new word for the podcast, so to speak. So a uh, real quick side note, I do pick out words. I don't know why I don't do it. I don't do it consciously. I do it subconsciously. And if I like a word, I'm going to say that word over and over again through a podcast or through whatever I'm doing. So I apologize in advance. It could maybe be a drinking game. Who knows? But uh, today the word is, so to speak. Anyway, back to the conversation. Back, back to what I was saying. Um, when you do use that, it's uh, focus more on the pull and the, and the movement of that bait. Um, and figure that out when you once you figure that out how they how they're reacting to that because I don't really think that they're gonna they're going to be eating um, especially if you're fishing at night I don't think they're going to be eating they're more of a reaction type of style get out of it think about when you're spawning do you want somebody in your way do you want somebody uh, now you can go you can think about spawning however you want to take that however you want to think about it but think about you. I like to use examples of personal re re reality. Now, think about if you're going through a spawning phase. Would you want somebody or something in your way? Probably not. You want to react and get the heck out of your way. So that's what you're kind of looking for. One of the, one of the ways to re get these fish to react. So um, think about that. Think about the pool. So that's kind of my setup that I'm using. Um, again, I'm going to try to put something out on YouTube channel uh, on my setup or even on my Facebook page. But uh, if you... Uh, if you want more questions, if you have more questions on that, please uh, uh, leave it uh, uh, leave it on, on my Facebook page. It's going to be Outdoor Ed uh, Facebook page. Go in there, leave me a comment or something like that, or even a message uh, to get going in there. But um, but anyway, so that's what I'm. That's kind of what I'm doing uh, when it comes to that and getting out and fishing. There's a lot of opportunities to do that. So uh, another thing I wanted to kind of talk about. Um, is kind of go over is what's going on right now. Um, if you're if you're a big a big hunter, um, you're probably also a shed hunter. So we're getting into that type. There's a lot of snow in the high country right now. So a lot of guys that do shed hunt shed hunt constantly are are there's a lot there's guys out there doing it right now. But there's areas where there's so much snow where they're they're waiting for that snow to melt so they can get out there and check it out. But um, or to go shed hunting. I did it a lot when I was in 
uh, I want to say middle school, the first years of high school, and then I just I didn't do it nearly as much. And when I did when I shed hunted, it was it was a lot of a lot of times it was scouting a new area. It was giving me an opportunity to go out and either walk around, learn the area, learn the um, learn the, t- 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 the uh, how the area reacted, how these how these deer, elk, whatever it is, reacted to the area, and uh, how they use the area. And um, that's kind of what uh, what I used to do, um, just basically going for a walk and looking for some sheds. I if I found some fantastic, but I never had. I was never really into it. I know some guys, and I've talked to some guys that are uh, really, really into it. It's something that I, I would love to get back, get more into. I have a black lab, and he is, um, he's awesome. And uh, it's, it's another way, you know, to get out and get your black lab some work. If he's, if he's a, if he's a hunting dog, a retriever, or any retrieving dog, really, for that matter, get out there, get him some more work in the, in the quote unquote off season, and. Um, if, if they're not a trained shed hunter, maybe you can go through that process. It's another it's another thing to do with your dog. So that's another uh, example of of why if you're not shed hunting, you should be or get out and check it out. And um, it, it, it's another way to go scatter an area. I got one area I'm looking at right now, and and on that note too, uh, I'm I'm probably the next podcast or a couple podcasts. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to put it out, but I have a podcast of going over the uh, hunting uh, brochure that came out, the 2017 uh, Colorado uh, hunting brochure that came out. I'm going to go through that because I think that that's if you guys want to learn more about your area, learn more about the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, how they do things, and what the rules and regulations are as far as hunting goes, um, even fishing too. When fishing comes out, I'm going to read that too. I'm going to, I'm going to have a podcast when I go through that. But um, it's good to read these brochures. There's everything, almost everything you can think of in there. Uh, any questions you need answering and, and any questions you had on rules and regulations, go in there and read that. But I will have a podcast coming out here short, shortly on that. And also, hopefully, I can get somebody on from CPW that can help us. I'm actually working on that, that can help us go through and give us a little uh, uh, kind of a, a uh, game plan on how to plan for a hunt. Those applications, we're going to have to get those applications in here soon. Uh, so um, be on the lookout for that podcast too. But um, uh, shed hunting, another way to get out. If you're not new, if you're not into it or you haven't tried it out, look it up. Uh, try to find somebody. There's a lot of people out there that do it. Uh, if you're on Facebook, if you're active in social media, look up these groups that, uh, that do that. Go ask questions on there. Get on forums, whatever it is. Get, do something to get outside and, and go uh, go experience the shed hunting. But it's something I, I, I came across that I've been been seeing a lot and um, is, is uh, unethical shed hunting. And um, this has actually gotten to a point in uh, northwest Colorado where they uh, actually it's a it's a it's a little bit of, of both, but it's uh, they've had a lot of snow out that in that area and it is really. Um, did a damper on the uh, wildlife out there and uh, what they're doing is uh, there's a ban in the uh, I have it right here in Moffat County beginning March 3rd through April 15th 2017 now um, during the closure the collection or possession of shed deer and elk antlers and pronghorn sheath is prohibited on all public lands and portions 
of game management units 1, 2, 201, 10, 21, 11, and 3. So these are areas that are very popular for shed hunters. And um, basically what this is saying is that um, there's they've, they've got a lot of snow up there. Like I said before, there's been a lot of snow in the high country. And it's, it's done a, a lot of uh, – it's, it's really put feeding – uh, for elk and deer in these some of these areas, it's really put a uh, it's really made it difficult for them. So adding more stress on them, and there's been some talk about unethical shed hunters. Like I mentioned here earlier, is that uh, unethical shed hunters is basically people that are um, pushing animals uh, to whether it's your you're going you're, you're hiking you come up on an animal on a big buck or a big bull. And you um, you push that animal to stretch it out to drop his horns, or you do your his antlers. You do something to harass that animal to uh, get it to dump its horns or put put that animal through more stretch stress than it already is under uh, being with these winter conditions the way they are. So if you're doing that, I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna accuse anybody of doing that. I I've have never seen it done. I've never seen it happen. I've heard stories, but I've never seen it done. If you're doing that, just come on, cut it out. Um, I don't want to sound want to sound like you know the gym teacher over here telling, hey, 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 cut it out, cut it out. But um, be smart. Think about what you're doing before you do it, and uh, that's that's but the biggest thing I, th I say. Think about what you're doing before you're doing it. Um, so some some kind of uh, news I wanted to pass along. Real quick. If you want more information, go to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website and. Um, it is right there on the front page. Check it out. Look it up. And uh, it's something good to know if you're going to be up in that area shed hunting. Um, and, uh, again, I'm no expert in shed hunting, but I've done it a handful of times in the past. And um, I'm looking to get out there this year and get, reintroduce myself to it. And uh, hopefully I can come back and, and ha pass some new experiences along to you folks out there that haven't done it. Or maybe we can share our new experiences together. So, um Anyway, I think, uh, you know, that's going to about do it for me today. Uh, a lot of stuff going through my head that I wanted to get down and uh, or get out there uh, to you folks, uh, guys, gals, anglers, young and old, anglers, hunters, outdoors people, young and old. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Um, again, uh, like, share, rate, review, whatever you can. Uh, let me know what's up. Let me know what you think about the show. And um, and I will uh, – I got a lot of stuff planned uh, for the Outdoor Ed podcast in the future going forward. A lot of great interviews. And uh, if you're new to the show, again, what the biggest thing that I, I, I am focused on and what I want to get out of the podcast is another resource, uh, another way to for, for, for people to um, find another option to – Another thing to do in the outdoors, I, I get, and if you want to come and learn, I'm, I'm going to talk everything from hunting, fishing. Hunting, fishing is going to be really, really, really heavy, but uh, I've done I, I've done a lot of things in the I've made a lot of, relate, built a lot of relationships, have a lot of connections with people in, in the outdoors, and uh, I've become a bird nerd. I've, I have become a, uh, I like to walk uh, around paths, nature paths. Uh, with my four-year-old son, having a kid does that, having a dog did that. I used to take dogs for a while. I never really enjoyed walking without a purpose until I got a dog. 
take the dog for a walk. Then it turned in, we, get, we, we have a kid. Now we take the kid for a walk. And then now I got a four-year-old. Now we go nature walk. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk everything. So uh, I got, I got, got uh, guys from uh, four-row four drive clubs coming on, off-road clubs coming on. Um, I haven't done that since I was a teenager. But, but uh, uh, that, that's another thing to get out, mountain biking. Uh, trail hiking, backpacking, whatever it is that uh, uh, is great to get out in the outdoors and do it. I've either done it, I've had experiences doing it, or like I said, I have resources. And um, that's my goal is to bring those resources to you uh, and help you get out. And I want to I want to I, I share others' experiences, not only my experiences, but other experiences uh, to you. So um, again, hope you enjoy the show today. Um, Go ahead and do that stuff for me. Like, share, rate, review, and um, please stay tuned. And uh, look, I look forward to uh, the next show. And um, you know, if you're not winning, you're learning. And um, that's it. We'll uh, talk to you guys later. Ain't just something. I told my pap and ma'am I was coming to the mountains to trap and. Be a mountain man. Acted like they was gut shot. Says, son, make your life go here. Here's where the peoples is. Them mountains is for animals and savages. Uh, I said, Mother Q, the Rocky Mountains is the marrow of the world. By God, I was right. <laughs>